0: Welcome to All About Agatha, the podcast dedicated to reading and drinking every single mystery novel written by the Queen of Crime, Dame Agatha Christie. I'm Kemper Donovan.
1: I'm Catherine Brobeck.
0: And this week we are not covering a novel, we are not covering a short story. We are reviewing our rankings, my friends. We're
1: reviewing ourselves. <laughs>
0: we are, that's right. We are we are reviewing ourselves because we had our second anniversary a little while ago on September 15th. Yes, the anniversary of this podcast is, of course, the anniversary of our dear Dame Agatha's day of birth. And we've been meaning now for a little while to do a little review of where we are just to make sure that everything is in line and making sense because we learned in our first year that that was quite necessary. (laughs) Right. And I think we are due again a year later to just take a global look at our rankings and make sure that the novels we've covered thus far are all in line with each other.
1: Yeah. And I mean, making sure that our assessments have not changed significantly in light of uh, later
0: books. Right, exactly. Because this whole project really is one that is meant to be indicative of Christie's of as a whole. So in that, our opinions of specific books may change given the greater context of future books. That's a valid and legitimate reason to alter a ranking. Right.
1: So when somewhere down the road, we rank The Pale Horse number one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. Before we get into the nitty gritty of it, we should mention that we have posted Online via our various social media platforms, pictorial representations of our rankings. And so for those of you who want to follow along closely to this discussion, it may be helpful just to take a little look at the chart of our rankings that we provided. So we usually leave all of our social media handles to the end of the episode, but I will go ahead and list them right now in case you would like to do so at this moment. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at all. About the Dame. You can also find us on Instagram at all about Agatha and on Facebook. Our Facebook page is All About Agatha. And you know what? I normally wait until the end of the episode to say this, but we really, really do appreciate anyone who has gone and given us a rating. Speaking of ratings on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening to this. And for those who haven't, and you're listening to this episode right now. Please do, because we want other people to find the podcast and for the Agatha Christie podcasting community to grow. We would really appreciate it if you did that. Okay, with that out of the way, let's take a look at where we are here. I'll just start us off, and I think we're just generally going to start at the top and go down here. (laughs) You want to
1: end this with the big four, Kemper?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I do, actually. I want to end on a bang. (laughs) So I think that our first three are very much in order and looking good and making sense. Our number one title, not surprisingly, is In Then There Were None by a lot. Uh, That is coming in at 43 out of a possible 50 points. Then we have the murder of Roger Ackroyd, five points behind that at 38 and murder on the Orient Express, three points behind the murder of Roger Ackroyd at a 35 and, I've always thought of those as the Christie superlative titles because she's doing something extra special in each of those conceptually, and then all the other elements of the novels, more or less, are working quite well.
1: Although I'm interested in the fact that we have Peril at End House actually tied with Murder on the Orient Express. You know, we, re- we moved Murder on the Orient Express. And- Obviously above Parallel and House. But um actually, if you look at how we broke it down, Parallel at End House, if we had not given it so many deductions, actually jumps into
0: second place. Second
1: place, yeah.
0: If by that you mean that we've perhaps ranked Parallel and house slightly too high, I totally agree with you. I mean, we will make no apologies for how much we love Peril at End house I think that it's an early Christie title that's doing everything right, I and agree. was one of the first ones to to do it. And it is, was such a joy to reread. We mm-hmm. were both, I think, surprised by that, by how much we enjoyed it. I will say that the one category that looks off to me is a nine and detective characterization, yeah, because. Uh, sure it's a fine Poirot novel but what makes Poirot and House special is not the Poirot in it by any no, means no it's
1: the other characters it's the yeah. it's the book only characters and interestingly enough they only get a 7 <laughs>
0: I know, I know. So I think we can bring down the detective characterization. I would be inclined to bring it down to a seven, actually, but not really bring down anything else, because I think that everything else is fair. Yeah, you know, except
1: we, we have it then below Murder at the Vicarage and Cards on the Table. And I...
0: Well, I think we're going to be doing a little bit of rejiggering of some other titles anyway. Currently, we have Death on the Nile in eighth place. And that is the title more than any other that I had in my mind as the one then that needs, should be to, moved up. needs to be shifted up significantly. And the category where we were way too hard on Death on the Nile was plot mechanics. We gave it a six in plot mechanics, which is way too low. And I remember why we did it when we were doing that episode. We were frustrated by how convoluted the plot was. Oh, right. but It's an ingenious plot, too. You know, we could make that complaint. We've talked about it so many times since that episode. The complaint about, well, why are you going through these convolutions to pull off the trickiest murder in history when you could do it much more simply? If you start going down that road and docking points for that sole reason, you could do that for every title because that's the point of a puzzle mystery that it is supposed to be convoluted. You know, Of
1: course. I think that in some of them, I am more forgiving of that. And I mean, I do still go back to the fact that it is incredible. Convoluted. What happens in Death of the Nile? And I don't know that it's necessary. I mean, yes, I agree with you that we ranked it too low, but I think our criticisms are valid. I think it's what a valid I would criticism. Say is like I don't think it should be below probably Appointment with Death.
0: No, I mean, that's absurd. Here's what I think. I think that what we didn't, what we failed to appreciate by giving it a six for plot mechanics was the sheer ingenuity and the joy that that ingenuity affords a reader. From the convolutions of the plot, which while ridiculous, do 100% all work out and make sense. Right. I just think that the the plot mechanics on that one that's something that people point to as being particularly strong in Death on the Nile. And while I do think our criticism is valid, I think it deserves a higher score. I would give Death on the Nile an eight in plot mechanics, and I would actually also, and I feel even more strongly about this, I would give Death on the Nile an eight in one-off characters rather than a seven, because we subsequently gave Appointment with Death uh, an eight in one-off characters. And I think that's fair because it has excellent characters within that novel. And sad Cyprus we also gave a seven in characters. I actually think that both Sad Cypress and Death on the Nile deserve to have a character score that's high and that is at least as high as an appointment with death. So I would give both of them eight.
1: Yeah, I, I think that that's fair. If you're going to do that, though, I'm torn on whether or not I think Death on the Nile should go above cards on the table.
0: Oh, I 100% think it should. If we did that, it would give Death on the Nile three more points and it would actually be at a 35. And I would, of course, put it below Murder on the Orient Express. But I'm actually more than fine with Death on the Nile being fourth and with Murder at the Vicarage being next, and then Peril at End House. Peril at End House, we love, but come on. You really think Peril at End House should be in the top five Christie novels at this point? Um,
1: I think that there are fewer glaring problems to me with Peril at End House than with some of the mechanical issues of, say, Death on the Nile. Should it be in the top five? I don't know. And I mean, the other question is, I very, very much like Murder at the Vicarage as much as I like to joke about Dark Marple. I think that Murder at the Vicarage is delightful. But I also don't know that Murder at the Vicarage necessarily should be ranked above Parallel House either. I'm very torn on that, actually.
0: Yeah, well, why don't we do a little bit of moving around and see where things sort of go? Because I think there's just going to be a little bit of bumping things around. Yeah, I'm
1: perfectly fine with moving up Death on the Nile, but I don't know that I I would be willing to go up to a 7 on mechanics.
0: Okay, okay, I think that's fair. So if we increase plot mechanics on Death on the Nile to a 7 and also increase characters to an 8, that gives it a 34. And then if we are lowering our detective characterization to a 7 on Peril at End House, that gives it a 33. I tend to think that Murder at the Vicarage and Cards on the Table are fine as they're ranked right now. Like, there's nothing that seems out of whack about their rankings and about the fact that they're both ranked high.
1: No, I don't think so.
0: There are people who just don't like cards on the table, and well, that's fair, but we do.
1: Yeah, we do. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that the one thing that you could make an argument for is if we gave Peral Endhouse four deductions, it's conceivable that we could have given cards on the table more deductions.
0: But Peral Endhouse, remember, we gave that those huge deductions because it ends on a truly horrifically anti-Semitic jokey beat it ends on that beat it's really awful it's like eating it's like eating a delicious souffle and then
1: having like a bug in it be the last bite yeah yeah, i mean it's
0: it's really bad
1: although i will say this we gave it that deduction because of how it ends but like actually content wise i mean i think that you could argue that the portrayal of shaitana and cards on the table is actually fundamentally worse
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I... I, We like
1: cards on the table, so, I mean, this is, but, like, we like Peril at End House.
0: But we like Peril at at End House, too. So right now, given where these are, I would put Death on the Nile in fourth place, and then you're making an argument that you would rather have Peril at End House and then cards on the table,
1: I would rather have it go, and then there were none, the murder of Roger Ackroyd, murder on the Orient Express, death on the Nile, murder at the Vicarage, peril at End House, cards on the table.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think we can make that happen. Does that make sense? That does make sense. I think that absolutely makes sense. For me, the biggest indicator of whether or not a title should be higher or lower than it is, is how often I've thought about it since we've read it and how often we've referenced it since reading oh, right. it. right,
1: and we, I mean, we reference, for example, the names clue in Peril at End House all the time, right?
0: We do, and the twist of the would-be victim is the murderer. Right. I mean, that's that's something that was used first in Peril at End House in which we just saw used not nearly as well in One, Two, Buckle, My Shoe. Right. For example. Yeah. But we also reference Death on the Nile all the time. I think about Death on the Nile in terms of its character dynamics, that love triangle, and also Jackie's relationship with Poirot all the time. I I really do. It's become like a touchstone, which is why, even beyond whether or not we think the plot mechanics are as good as a lot of other people do, why I really do want to rank it high, because I think it's a really strong title. Yeah,
1: and you know what I think is interesting, and I think that we both agreed on this, is that, you know, we have Murder on the Orient Express as as three, but neither of us enjoyed rereading it.
0: I know, or even talk about it all that much, but...
1: It's impossible to not have it that high. It has to be... I think that there's no question about where and then there were none and Roger Ackroyd are sitting. And we reference both of them all the time. Right,
0: There are a lot of listeners, or at least some listeners, who have who have let us know that they think we ranked Roger Ackroyd way too high, but I just disagree. I think that the twist of that book cannot be overstated, how brilliant that twist is. And also, there are so many times that we reference Dr. Shepard and his sister Caroline right. as characters constantly. So it's a book that has an ingenious twist, and that's working in all other areas well, and really the, well. And,
1: and the idea of... T- Timing being off. Mm
0: -hmm. I mean,
1: that's something that comes up constantly that, you know, we talk about all the time.
0: No, it's true. And even we gave it a six for setting and tone. But if anything, I think that's a little low because that country house setting, which is just such a stereotypical one for Christy, but which she doesn't always do. And, and sometimes when she does it, I'm looking at you, Ericu Porro's Christmas, she doesn't even do it well, or <laughs> even the Mysterious Affair at Styles to a certain extent. It's just it it the, that book is just all working. So, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think those three for now are the top three. I actually do think we will be covering some titles shortly that will give at least Ackroyd and Orient Express a run I, for their money. I
1: obviously, uh, anybody who's listened to this podcast long enough knows where I'm going to come down on something. So
0: for those yeah. who haven't
1: been paying attention, we will leave that as a <laughs> mystery.
0: Yeah, a, l- a little mystery to keep you going. So a little uh, suspense <laughs> on the podcast. All right. So yeah, I do feel good about Death on the Nile being in fourth place. And then Death on the Nile, then Murder at the Vicarage, right? Yeah, I think so. Then the
1: Murder at the Vicarage does a lot of things really well.
0: It does. It's also the first Miss Marple, which is meaningful. Right. It's funny that, that, and I think I've mentioned this before, but that's one of the titles that Christy herself, upon rereading, thought that she had overstuffed. (laughs) It (laughs) It it wasn't totally her favorite.
1: It is a little overstuffed, you know? It is. But I think what it does really well is it sets up the atmosphere of St. Mary Mead so well that it's doing a lot of heavy lifting especially for later
0: right well which again is funny because we gave it a four
1: <laughs> in well in i know i know i know here's an interesting thing when we get to the other miss marble books we might drop murder
0: at the vicarage lower We might, depending, because there are so many other Miss Marples that are doing a lot more. There are much better Miss Marples, this is true, but I think the lesson to be learned in Death on the Nile and Murder at the Vicarage is that overstuffing a Christie novel is not really a cardinal sin, because you get a lot of joy out of overstuffing these novels with plot devices, with characters. That's part of what I actually love about them, even though I agree that they are criticisms. So. Right.
1: I think we're giving it more points right now because it's the only Miss novel that we've covered. Despite totally. the numerous Miss Marple short stories.
0: Miss Marple short stories, yeah. No, that's true. That's true. Okay, so in order to make sense of this, I think that what you're saying is that we should give an extra deduction to Cards on the Table mm-hmm. in terms of being stuck in its time. And I think that is 100% fair because there is a lot of shade <laughs> thrown yeah. at Mr. Shaitana for just his ethnicity essentially.
1: Yeah. And some questionable sexuality stuff, I think.
0: Yeah, there are those who think that we even were a little too high on the mechanics and the credibility of the cards on the table plotting, which is a little loose. It is a little all over the place. The novel flags in the second half and it gets really ridiculous. Yes, it does. So, you know, you could make that argument as well. I think cards on the table is one that may also be going down in subsequent years. I think
1: that that's probably going to happen. I, I, in fact, find it very likely that that will happen.
0: However, I'm okay with it being as high as it is right now because I do have a lot of affection for it. And I think as a novel in which she was doing something totally different from what she normally did, she she really pulled it off. It's one of my favorites in a weird well, way. I really appreciate that oh, novel.
1: Me, well, me too. And plus we get the murderer's row of characters, right? I yeah. mean, think of all the characters um, who we're familiar with or who, at least in the long term, we are familiar with who are in that novel.
0: Yeah, we get our, you know, Poirot, Battle, Ariadne, Oliver and Colonel Race all in one novel. Come on, it's a super band. Yeah, it's a super band.
1: Yeah, it's like the Avengers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So appointment with death, actually, I think we've ranked a little high. I agree. I think it should have a much lower credibility. I would dock two points off of its credibility. I don't know why we gave it an eight. I think that's really, really high. Well,
1: you know, I do because I think that the motivation makes sense, right?
0: The motivation makes sense, but we just docked points off of one to buckle my shoe because we pointed out that a-
1: It was ludicrous. Titan,
0: well, a titan of finance would not know how to properly over-inject anesthesia into someone's gums in the dentist chair. And we have a, a incredibly similar situation in Pointman with Death where an MP, Lady Westholm, who's this blustering, bombastic MP, all of a sudden knows how to expertly inject poison. And it's a tricky murder to pull off logistically. And I don't know if it's totally believable that she would be able to do it.
1: So I think that this is a scenario also, though, where... You know, we have a tendency sometimes to have to negotiate between the two of us on what we're calling mechanics and what we're calling credibility. Sure, sure. And so I think that that's why it got a low mechanics score, whereas the credibility of what actually is going on makes a lot of sense.
0: Right. But total, I think a six for mechanics and an eight for credibility. So a 14 out of 20 is way too high. Yeah. I mean, book. I could
1: definitely go down to a seven on credibility easily.
0: Yeah. Cause what's working in that book is the characters. The yeah, characters are great. Mm-hmm. These are people who Christie herself saw in real life on a, a Nile, cruise and you can tell there's a specificity there and right. the horror of mrs boynton has not left me and we covered oh, that my novel a while like,
1: ago I, no a long time ago and like i can just still see her sitting in the hotel room as like a gorgon you know so yeah
0: okay so let let's take off one point for that so that puts it at a 32 because here's the thing i think that sad cypress is a much stronger novel overall yeah, than Boynton with death mm-hmm. right
1: yep so we really we really like sad cypress
0: we do, and that's another one. Since we covered it, it hasn't been that long since we covered it, but we reference that love triangle as well and those characters all the time. I definitely think about Eleanor and Roddy and Mary Gerard. It's one of Christie's books that is not doing so great when it comes to plot, but has wonderful characters. As Laura Thompson puts it so eloquently in her biography, it's the rare Christie that may have been better off as a Mary Westmacott. Which I think is really interesting. But the characters really are outstanding. So I think absolutely said Cypress deserves an eight instead of a seven in one off characters. Yeah. Which would give it a 33. And that would actually put it ahead of appointment with death. Here's the question should that be ahead of cards on the table or not? I actually think not.
1: I think not.
0: Okay, good. So I think so sad Cypress will go after cards on the table and before appointment with death. I feel good about that. We have three act tragedy now coming in just behind appointment with death, which I'm fine with. I certainly don't think we need to make three act tragedy any higher. But I also don't think we need to make it lower. I think we actually do reference it a fair amount. There are some interesting things about that. novel. Yeah,
1: there are we reference it a lot. I mean, it's not a novel that I like particularly.
0: I, so. I understand that. I'm much more of a fan of three act tragedy than Catherine. Here's where I'm actually going to make an interesting plea for raising a title. I think the ABC murders is way too low.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: Right? I mean, we've, the, no,
1: we've known that for a
0: long time. It's too low. Yeah, and I actually think it's both in plot mechanics and plot credibility. I think this should have a seven instead of a six in plot mechanics and a six instead of a five in plot credibility, which is going to raise it two points because it should be one of the higher ranked novels. Also, you know, we reference this one all the time. She's doing something so a fake serial killer, which actually has a golden age mystery puzzle reason for the murders at the end of it all. There are things about that novel that drive me crazy, notably the change in point of view and those awkward third person passages about Alexander Bonaparte Cust. But, but
1: I mean, the idea the, is interesting, right? The, yeah. like, like she's doing, she's trying something interesting. I mean, like we're ranking sad cypress pretty high because we like what she's doing stylistically. So I think in that sense, it's fair to say that at least stylistically, the ABC meters deserve some credit.
0: Yeah. And I think we gave it such a low score in credibility because we said it's not believable that someone who really just wants to murder one person is going to pretend to be a serial killer. Well, and,
1: yeah. I mean, and also it's I mean, it is ludicrous. I'm sorry. Like we can't really I don't know that we can raise it that much higher there, can we?
0: I think we can raise it one higher because I think you just have to embrace the spirit of that book and what's happening in in that book. And I think saying that that's a ludicrous idea again goes to the little bit of that complaint that if that you could just have with every mystery puzzle because they're all a little ludicrous you know this is a a novel about a serial a would-be serial killer so to say oh no one would ever pretend to be a serial serial killer these are all murderers we're talking about these people are all crazy
1: it's not i mean there are varying degrees of crazy right i mean there
0: there are i think that it's just that like there's a grand kind of scope to ABC murders, like she was going for something big and the murderer in the book is going for something big. And there's a bigness to the adventure, right? And that's why we gave us such a high score in detective characterization in eight. But I think that's valid because it's just a particularly good Poirot adventure kind of racing around England. And there's just a kind of large landscape to that book that sticks out for me. And I think that's, why I'm so fond of it, especially in comparison to all these other books, this is not just a standard basic Christie. You no, know?
1: I agree. I mean, it it should be in our current top ten.
0: Yeah. And I think that's it's, it's not that I even admire the mechanics and credibility specifically. It's just that I think a six and a five is a tick too low anyway. But I think that the other categories are all fair for ABC murders, yeah. which is why those are the ones I'm identifying as raising a point. I think I would put it above Sad Cypress and below cards on the table.
1: Yeah, I think that seems right.
0: OK, <laughs> And then it's funny because one of the other titles that I was thinking we would need to adjust when we were doing our rankings was The Cidford Mystery because... (laughs) It's so high. (laughs) Well, it had (laughs) been ranked high, but here's the thing. Given all the adjusting we just did, it's lower now. (laughs) It's certainly not in the top 10, nor does it deserve to be in the top 10. I don't know if we need to put it any lower like right now we have Lord Edgeworth dies below it which is ridiculous but we'll get to Lord Edgeward dies in a second and I think I think Lord Edgeward dies should should certainly be above the Sidford mystery but other than that there are no titles below it that I think the Siddiford mystery we, is I not mean, we as, like as good the Siddiford mystery yeah. No, we do. I mean, it's a, it's an early Christie standalone mystery puzzle, which is unusual for those early books. And it's really well done. I mean, that's that's one that sticks with me too. We, we talk about how good the characters in that novel are. It's an ingenious little puzzle. We've talked about money as a motivation and how cleverly it's used in that book since reading that book. Mm-hmm. I really like it. Yeah,
1: I do too. And I like that it's a one-off That's still being Mm -hmm. ranked pretty high. I mean, uh, other than And Then There Were None, there's not another one-off that's ranked that high.
0: Right, because the rest of the one-offs are killers. I
1: mean, let's be be honest, Sad Cypress is is more or less a one-off.
0: And Christy later in life wished that it had been a a one-off. But it's not.
1: It's not. It's technically a Poirot novel.
0: Yeah. But the reasons why it's so good have nothing to do with Poirot. At all. (laughs) At all. So, yeah, I mean, right now we have Lord Edgware dies below the Siddiford mystery. And I think that, you know what I think is low here? I actually don't think it's plot at all. An eight for plot mechanics and a six for plot credibility are totally fair. I think the character scores are a little low because as much as Catherine hates <laughs> Jane Wilkinson <laughs> and does not have nemesis. a lot of affection for this novel.
1: No, I don't. <laughs>
0: We talk about Jane Wilkinson all the time. I think about Jane Wilkinson. I think about Carlotta Adams, too. We talk about Jane
1: Wilkinson all the time because uh, you, Kemper, like to make fun of my arch nemesis (laughs) relationship to Jane Wilkinson. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but we do talk about Carlotta Adams also. We do. I think about Lord Edward Dies. That book has stuck with me.
1: Well, it's because, can I like whip out my Stefan impression again? <laughs> um, it has everything. It has bad lighting. It has actors. It has mistaken identity. (laughs) We talk about it all the time because those are tropes that come up all the time. I don't know necessarily that we talk about the novel as doing something other than combining all those tropes in one. So we talk about it a lot because those are things that she uses a lot.
0: But to be fair, that's pretty much what we just said about Pearl In-House. I-, I think there's right. a comparison to be drawn between the two titles and that they're both doing a lot of what came to be known as Christieish ish sort of things, and they're the first or at least a very early example of of those things in a novel that fits together tidally and attractively and which is a thoroughly good read and it's not one of the superlative crown jewel Christie's by any means but Although,
1: you know what there are a lot of people who we know and there are also a lot of listeners who really love Lord Edward Eyes.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm one of those people who, you know, but yeah, no, there are, I mean, it's, it's an incredibly popular title among Christie fans, even though it's not one of the titles that non Christie fans know casually. I also think, I don't know why we gave a six for Poirot in Lord Edward dies.
1: I don't really know either.
0: It feels a little low. I would argue for a 7 and an 8 in series characters and one-off characters, respectively, instead of a 6 and a 7. That would put it at a 31, which is the same score as the Citiford Mystery, and then I'd put it right above the Siddiford Mystery.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's fine. I'm okay with that.
0: Grudgingly.
1: Yeah, grudgingly.
0: (laughs) Okay, so we are now down to our lower half, because we've covered 28 titles, and we've covered the first 13. We are now at 14, which is... One, two, buckle my shoe, which we just covered. I'm fine with where one, two, buckle my shoe falls Sure. right now. Then Death in the Clouds is tying with one, two, buckle my shoe. And we talked about this in our last novel episode with one, two, buckle my shoe. The fact that we did think that it was better ultimately than Death in the Clouds. And I've thought about that since then. And I really do agree with that.
1: It's always nice when we agree with ourselves.
0: <laughs> I think there's an argument to be made that we could dock something from the plotting. Of Death in the Clouds because of how ludicrous it all is. It's not as ludicrous as One Two Buckle My Shoe, which we gave a six in mechanics and a four in credibility. I don't know if it deserves a six in mechanics and a seven in credibility. I think a six in credibility might make a little bit more sense. Just looking at the other credibility scores that we've given titles higher than it, I mean, Death on the Nile has a six now in plot credibility, but Death in the Clouds has a seven. That seems absurd.
1: Yeah, I agree, although then that's going to drop it.
0: It is, and I actually think that that's okay. I don't have a lot of affection, actually, for Death on the Clouds. I do like the fact that she wanted to set a murder on an airplane. Sure. But I don't think it's done particularly well for Christy.
1: No, I just like the cover of my Fontana paperback version with the giant um, airplane-sized wasp. <laughs> 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 That's the majority of my affection for Death in the Clouds is solely the cover of the book. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that speaks volumes. Um, <laughs> so let's not judge this book by its cover and dock a point. So now we have One Two Buckle My Shoe after the Sidford Mystery, then the Secret Adversary, then the Man in the Brown Suit, always a favorite, and then Death in the Clouds. Followed by Murder in Mesopotamia. And by
1: the way, though, I would like to point out that we apparently gave Man in the Brown Suit seven deductions.
0: Well, we did that. We actually increased the number of deductions, I believe, on our time. last Rankings yeah. episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, because I think that was our way of putting it more in line with where it belongs within the canon. Right. And it's a really racist book. Like, jocularly racist. It's uh, It's not good.
1: Uh, it's it's also probably anti-feminist.
0: <laughs> yes, well, that that too. I mean, the gender slash sex relations in that book are just woof. Yeah,
1: oh, yeah. yeah. Me, Tarzan. You, Jane.
0: <laughs> I only really have one other big argument here, which is that Poirot's Christmas, I think, is ranked slightly low. What? Okay. <laughs> I just think that in terms of plot mechanics and plot credibility, we gave this thing a five and a six, so an 11 out of 20, but this is Christie's, the police inspector who is investigating the whole thing did it. That's ingenious. That is as ingenious as her superlative titles. They all did it. The narrator did it and whatever is happening and then there were none, not that it can be that pithily encapsulated, (laughs) it doesn't make it a top 10 novel or anything like that, but Guess there's a lot about this that's not good, which is why we gave characters a five and setting and tone a four. We are definitely docking that novel where we should be.
1: I know, but I, you know, I will say, and this goes back to, I think, an argument which, you know, we don't rank on this. But I will say part of the reason Man in the Brown Suit is still ranked pretty high is that it's incredibly enjoyable to read. Yes. And I will point out that both you and I immensely disliked reading Huckleberry Finn's Christmas.
0: We did, but it was no secret of Chimneys or the Big Four in terms of difficulty to read. Well,
1: nothing is the, the. We'll get there, but we will.
0: Uh, we will. <laughs> I would just argue for giving it one more point in mechanics solely for that and bumping it above Murder in Mesopotamia. I think it deserves to be higher than Murder in Mesopotamia. Uh,
1: I can agree with that, I guess.
0: Would you put it higher than Death in the Clouds? Because I would also put it higher than Death in the Clouds since it's tying with Death in the Clouds now.
1: I preferred reading Death in the Clouds. I know what you're saying,
0: and readability is important, but readability is part of what we are evaluating in our setting and tone category, and that's why we gave it a four. Right. And that's why we gave Death in the Clouds a six (laughs) versus the four that we gave it for characters and three deductions for being really racist. Right. (laughs) I ultimately have more affection in a retrospective not reading it in the moment that I'm thinking about it way for Erkul Christmas as a Christie novel than Death in the Clouds, even though you're absolutely right that reading Erkul Christmas was nowhere near as enjoyable as reading Death in the Clouds. You are right about that.
1: Yeah. And so as a result, I would not rank it above Death in the Clouds.
0: Okay, I would, but I don't feel super strongly about it. If you feel strongly enough about it, we'll bump it above Murder in Mesopotamia, but put it just below Death in the Classroom.
1: That I will definitely agree with. Okay, fair
0: yeah. And then after Murder in Mesopotamia, we now have The Mysterious Affair at Styles, and I have one little rejiggering I'd like to do with this one, which isn't going to affect its placement, but I think that it's a tick too high... I don't think that it deserves an eight in plot mechanics. I don't know what we were thinking, giving it an eight in plot mechanics.
1: I mean, I guess it was the first one.
0: It was the first one, but I think that argument holds for when we're doing characters, because the introduction of a character is necessarily harder in the first Novel in which a character appears, but you have to construct a plot in every novel, right? You have to construct a mystery puzzle or a thriller plot. And that one is not deserving of an eight. I think that it probably deserves a six. But what I would do is then take off a deduction for stuck in its time because five seems a little high.
1: Yeah, I think it's high, too.
0: And then that just brings it down to a 24, which ties it with a bunch of other titles, but I think doesn't change it. Because then the titles that we have after it are Murder on the Links, Dumb Witness, and Mystery of the Blue Train. And I would definitely put Styles above all of those.
1: Oh, well, there's no question about that. Need I remind our listeners, Mystery of the Blue Train has a ghost.
0: Yes, it does. The Mystery of the Blue Train is (laughs) her least favorite. She loathed writing that book. She wrote it at that difficult period in her life post-disappearance. The only one that we've ranked lower is Murder is Easy, which we come down really hard on as a novel. And there are a lot of listeners who were surprised by how much we disliked that novel. But that dislike has not changed for me. So I actually don't feel the need to change anything about any of the rest of our titles.
1: I would still argue that the big four is the worst book she wrote
0: (laughs) so (laughs) well right now it's tying for last place right so you can make you can make that argument the
1: only reason the only reason it's not in dead last place is because it's long-running series characters got it a seven but were it not for that it would be like on the bottom by many 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 points
0: it would. It's funny. I'm going to make the same argument that you were just making about Erico Christmas. I think The Secret of Chimneys deserves to be in dead last place because of how dreadfully difficult it was to read that book. That book, I barely got through it. That was a trial. And I remember you felt the same way.
1: Well, I did. Although I have often wondered, I was in a particularly bad mood the week that we read Secret of Chimneys. Like, very fantastically bad mood. And I wonder how much that impacted how much I hated reading it.
0: Well, you know, if you would like to go back and reread the secret of chimneys to see, no, you know what I'm
1: going to take a hard pass on that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. And the titles that are in our little bottom group here, after styles are The Murder on the Links, Dumb Witness, The Mystery of the Blue Train, Then Murder is Easy, Why Didn't They Ask Evans, The Seven Dials Mystery, The Big Four, and The Secret of Chimneys. And I think we're going to let those titles lie where they are. At least for now, until for you now. decide
1: to reread The Secret of Chimneys or until one day I decide that Why Didn't They Ask Evans is actually like a masterwork.
0: <laughs> the one other thing that I noticed, which I'd, I'd just like to mention before we close this episode, is that we tend to to get clusters of scores. Yeah. And we have even even more of this clustering effect after having just rejiggered our rankings. We have our superlative titles which are all at fairly different scores. And then we have this cluster of titles at 33 which is Mm -hmm. Periled and House Cards on the Table, The ABC Murders, and Sad Cypress. And I I like that because I would argue that I think what this ranking endeavor is showing us is that you can kind of group Christie titles into broad sorts of categories, a more macro sort of a ranking. Like, clearly those titles are excellent Christies, right? Like, those are Christies that are a lot of fans' favorite books. And they're
1: they're all doing interesting things. Every one of those is doing something interesting.
0: They're all doing interesting things they're doing, and they're doing them well. And they may not be the, and then there were none, Murder on the Orient Express, Crown Jewels, but they're right up there. And then we have this cluster at 24 points out of 50, which are titles that are by no means abysmal but where there's something not entirely working. And those are Mysterious Affair Styles, Murder on the Links, Dumb Witness, and The Mystery of the Blue Train. And we could quibble about the ordering within those clusters, but I actually think that the clusters make sense and are a good way of thinking just globally about these rankings and the way that they're kind of falling, because I think that we'll get a lot more of that cluster effect as we add titles. Yeah,
1: and I mean, I think that there are um, middling titles still to come that are going to land somewhere. You know, they're they're not bad. They're just not great.
0: Yeah, I think Laura Thompson called it when Christy went on autopilot. Right. And she churned out a lot of totally solid middle of the road for her this is always within the context of her titles especially in the 50s but we still have a lot of really great titles to get through in the 40s and then interestingly i think there are some standout titles in the 60s as well and then we have the 70s (laughs) It should be very interesting to see how this changes. It it is a constantly evolving document, and I think we've made some good changes to this one. We will post the before and after, which is what we did last year, of these rankings, so you can see how the title orders changed a bit. Get as granular as you would like, and let us know how you feel about these titles and where they belong.
1: We we appreciate equal dirtiness.
0: We do. If you've made it this far in this episode. Yeah, I if you're mean, actually
1: still listening to this.
0: You probably have some strong opinions on Christy Tiles, and we would love to hear from you.
1: Absolutely. Well, we always do, even if it's not about the rankings.
0: So This is true. This is true, which is a perfect segue into the end of this episode. That is our rankings episode. Hooray! Another year down. We are inching ever closer to the halfway mark in the Christie canon. That will be when we are done with 33 books. We currently have completed 28, so... Slowly but surely, Catherine, next time we will be covering a short story, and that will be Jane in search of a job from the Listerdale Mystery Collection. Keep in mind that two weeks after that, we will be covering our next novel, Evil Under the Sun by Poirot, and we would always love to hear from you. We mentioned it at the beginning of the episode, but I'll mention it again. Email us at allaboutthedame at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at allaboutthedame, or find Catherine at Brobcat. Instagram handle is at all about Agatha and our Facebook page is all about Agatha and do take a moment to rate and review us and we'll see you next time. Bye.
1: Bye.